My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and screenwriting consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer is Kyle Dodson, a.k.a. The Nephew. Hey. Hello. That's your new superhero name, The, the nephew. nephew. Yes. I heard last night at uh, 10.30 p.m. you crept out of our house to go watch the Lego movie. I did. Yes. How I, was it? It was great. I thought there wouldn't be kids there, but a bunch of irresponsible parents brought their <laughs> like five-year-olds out at 1030. Well, I thought there wouldn't be grown men there, and you were. So there you go. So did you did you say that you just looked up on Rotten Tomatoes? and? Yeah. Uh, the Lego movie has a higher uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating than any movie that's nominated for Best Picture this year. <laughs> So everybody go out and watch a Lego movie, I guess. Yeah. That's where Pat and the girls are t- this morning, right? Mm-hmm. And here I am podcasting. But this is what I prefer. I am here podcasting. This When this comes out, this is uh, Valentine's Day when this podcast goes out. And, uh, and, and I want to say on Valentine's Day that I, I love my husband. I love my family. But nice I also present. really love my students. Okay, everybody in the class, say hello. Yeah. All right, so we've got... All seven of us. <laughs> <laughs> we've got seven members of the first draft class that have come in early. And they are um, currently in... We're in week six, right? Of, a, of our six-week first, first draft class. And they have volunteered to come on in and talk a little bit about who they are and ask a question that they might ask in class because it might be a question that you all out there are interested in as well. So welcome to On the Page. Our very first guest is Blake Kuhn. I'm, now it turns out I've been saying everybody's name wrong. Okay, yes, Blake, what it is, is a it? common common mistake. Uh, it's pronounced Keen. No, really? Yeah. Get out. Really. So I've been doing, yeah. Like two E's. I'm sorry, Blake Keen. Hi. I'm sorry, Blake. It's okay, Pilar. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, tell me uh, a little bit. Well, where are you originally from, Blake? Because I know you're not from here, right? No, I am uh, originally from Texas. I have been in Los Angeles probably nearly 18, 19 years now. Ah, okay. Moved out here, wanted to work in the music business, did for a ridiculously long time. They showed me the door. I said, okay, thank you. And my wife said, hey, why don't you write full time? And is that what you're doing now? I've been doing it for about a year now. You have a great wife. We love her. I've got an amazing wife. Shout out to your, shout out to your wife. What's her name? Her name is Celeste. Hello. Happy Valentine's Day, Celeste. Thank you, Pilar. <laughs> <laughs> She's not actually here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, and you're working on a feature in this class, right? I am working on a feature, yes. Okay. How's it coming? How many pages? I've gotten up to about 51 yes! or so. Yes. Um, it makes me so happy. I'm a, I'm a little behind, but there, it's, it's one of those process things that I, I keep coming up with things that I think can help in the, you know, in the third act. So it's not like I'm, I'm struggling with a story. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm 
always thinking about the how the story is is laying out and then seeing how I can complement it. So that's not a bad thing to constantly the, be thinking I, about the payoff. By the bad. time I get to your rewrite class, which starts on March first of this year, um, <laughs> thanks for promoting that. <laughs> no I'm Monday, April fifth, Saturdays, twelve thirty to three thirty. Thank 12 you. Thursdays, three thirties in the valley. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm confident that I'll I'll have something you know, good and solid put together that I can totally tear apart then. And that's what it's all about. Exactly. So tell me, do you have a, a question that, that you'd want to ask in class that you'll ask here? I do. I want to uh, know your thoughts on distinguishing good notes versus bad notes. Mm. And what's the best way to um, receive those notes, whether you're in a meeting type situation or otherwise? Um, just because it seems like it's kind of all over the map with how people, you know, give notes. And plus being, you know, in a creative space, it's really easy to get really defensive, um, you know, when someone's criticizing your work. Well, well, first of all, let's talk about just receiving them, right? If you're mm-hmm. in a, if you're actually in a, lucky enough to be in a situation where a studio or production company is giving you a verbal note in the moment, the answer is always, that's a great idea, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I had never thought of that before. You know, it's always received positively alien basset hound i will do that absolutely you know now now what you do with these notes once you process them in that kind of professional situation Mm -hmm. is you take the good ones you know and and then go let's say you leave some of the bad ones and you always credit your producer wow uh i did this rewrite and that note that you said about this Awesome, right? So when they read it, they're going to be reading it feeling like they are completely responsible for your rewrite, especially that one thing that you took. If mm. there's a couple of things you didn't take, they're not going to notice it because you've, you've steered them in the right direction. <laughs> At least, now again, this is me um, giving you advice based on my successful clients who do this with their producers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you always want to sort of really be positive about the notes. Um, as far as notes that aren't where you haven't been paid yet, okay? Mm-hmm. Beware of the note where somebody says, um, this would never happen, okay? I, to me, that is the most useless note. Oh, that would never happen. Well, aliens can't land either, okay? <laughs> or as far as we know, it probably wouldn't happen in our lifetime. But that right. doesn't mean we don't have alien movies, mm-hmm. right? You know, people don't become zombies. Um, so it's not would this happen? It's how can you make them believe it can happen? Mm -hmm. So when dealing with a note like that, you can say, you know, well, my intention is to make you believe it can happen. What is it about my script that made you think it couldn't happen? How can I take that moment and make it more believable? You know, how can I convince you? How can I make a case for the fact that this can happen? But I usually think that's a bad note. And if you start getting a lot of logic notes, this couldn't happen. She wouldn't say that. People don't feel that way. Then that's somebody who isn't reading your script. They're judging your characters and your situation. Mm -hmm. To me, I would get out of there as soon as you can. And I would go for somebody who understands your intention Mm -hmm. and then talks about how you can best meet it. So I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, it, it also seems like it, it, of course, it's something that just comes along with practice that you learn how to distinguish that someone's giving a note to hear themselves talk mm-hmm. and to make them sound like they, you know, have something to offer when they don't versus someone 
who does get it and, and is offering something constructive, I mean, it's, it's okay to say this doesn't work, but here is a suggestion on how you might want to approach this exactly, or that not just like, I don't like this or always, they should always be backing it up. So, um, in a good coverage situation or in a good note situation for both the person giving the notes should usually start with some kind of thesis mm-hmm. of why it's working for them and why and where it isn't working for them. So based on that thesis of where it isn't working, once they start giving you notes, you know that it's toward supporting that thesis. So if I say, you know, I, I really saw what you were doing and it was going along great, but it has third act troubles, then everything, every note I give you is going to sort of bring you toward how to strengthen that third act or why in the first act it's not paying off in the third act, that right. kind of thing. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Um, now, uh, anything that you learned in class that you'd like to share? <laughs> I, I, would, crickets come I would say that uh, anyone who is considering uh, and looking around at the many options of taking a class should uh, consider your class. Uh-huh. I, was, I was telling Mark previously that I was originally signed up to, uh, I was accepted to UCLA's screenwriting program. The weekend before tuition was due, one of my dogs got really sick. So I could either save my dog or, you know, go to UCLA and nothing against UCLA, but I kind of feel like I've saved (laughs) $4,500 by, and getting, you know, quality, you know, information about process. So that, that was the most important thing for me. It's, you know, you can't teach creativity, but you can teach process and there's so much white noise out there, you know, that, you know, young writers are just bombarded with. Thank you very much. You're very I appreciate welcome. That. Is there a, is there a website people can go to to check you out? Do you tweet any projects you'd like people to look at, or would you like people to leave you the heck alone? Uh, they mostly do that anyway. Okay. But if you would like to follow me on Twitter, uh, I am at the Scream Writer. So the yeah. Scream Writer. I know, write original. That's awesome. Okay, the Scream Writer. Okay, <laughs> original and juvenile. <laughs> Thank you so much, Blake Keen, for Thank being you. on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we have with us Nadia Madden. Hello, How are you, Nadia. I'm great. Am I saying your name right? Yes, you are. Oh, thank God. All right, so Nadia has been in a couple of classes with me. Yes, and I have. Now she's here in my six week class, Yay. and I couldn't be more delighted. Thank you. Tell everybody what your day job is. Well, my day job is being a stay-at-home mom. However, I am a former 911 dispatcher, married to a cop, and uh, a screenwriter as well, aspiring. So there is no drama at your house, right? No. Does your husband, the cop ever, um, you know, sort of look at your, at your stuff and say, oh, there's, there's a cop in here. This is how you do it. Exactly. He has his own opinion. He can look at it as, well, these cops are bumbling idiots or you're cop bashing. And I'm like, well, you're cop bashing. <laughs> now, is it as somebody who's worked in, in 911 and is married to a cop, is there anything when you're watching a TV show or, or a feature that just bugs you that you just think people always get wrong? Yeah. Um, you know, how fast DNA can come back or fingerprints. That when CSI first came out, we're like, really? There's no way. How long does it usually take? Months. Months? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. People could, like, you could kill five more people in, in that and, time. And especially when those 
shows first came out, it, it was a long time. So it's not just a series of sexy flash forwards. Is that no, what you're saying? No, not at all. God, if only it's really life boring. were a series of sexy flash forwards. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I don't know how we, how we fix that, though. Do you have any, any idea of like how you could make that still dramatic and with, with that kind of time period? Um, you know, they just they actually um, say a lot of exposition during those scenes. When they're back at the, you know, at the office, a lot of exposition comes out and it kind of sprinkles in interesting with the mundane ah okay yeah. so a little bit of that kind of is, is, mm-hmm. is the cheat all right good to know so so nadia uh, you're working on and can we can we say it? Sure, I, sure you're working on a tv show i am based a little bit on that yes experience on my crazy life operator and it's is it half hour or one it's hour? a half hour dark comedy about 911 dispatchers and laughing at dark situations to cope Cause, with the emotions, because when you think nine one one, you're kind of giggling a lot. No, but it, but I think that is that has a nice little tone to it of 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 the dramatic, and then sort of you know what gets you yes. through the day. You have to, or you'll go crazy, and then you won't be able to handle the real job. It's now, gallows humor. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you say through a big smile. <laughs> so, um, is there a, a question that you would like to ask i do i actually have it it right here um i'm actually considering writing a pilot um because there's so much drama and emotion in the job instead of half hour i'm also considering writing a one hour dramedy and so my question is in the case of a dramedy and feature particularly a one hour how far can this pendulum swing between comedy and drama and not feel out of place tonally. So, so I think the first thing I would ask is, what show would you compare it to? Okay. Yeah, um, I've been watching Orange Is the New Black, okay. and there's, I mean, it's not, you know, belly laughing, but there's a lot of making light of things and how they get through that situation. There's a lot of absurdity. Mm-hmm. That that would be so. So what I would say is. Take your model, okay, and and almost look at it in terms of the timing. You know, they definitely have these dark storylines that go throughout, and then these moments of of I, I don't know if they're lightness, but humor throughout, right. and and see where do they do that? Are they dealing with the dark storyline first, and then putting some kind of humorous moment in it? Okay. Do they take a humorous subplot and make it completely distinguished? from the main plot. Sometimes, let's say in, you know, one-hour dramas that are medical, for example, you'll see sort of that very heavy storyline, that medical storyline, and then some kind of light silliness, right? right? And they're separate. I think with Orange is the New Black, they kind of integrate both. Okay. I don't know. I'm so caught up in the show that I'm not, like, you know, breaking yeah, it down and analyzing so it. Yeah, it's so interesting. you have and it's to. it's so new. Yes. To a viewer. Yes, it is. And, uh, and, I, and I'm wondering, I don't know, Oh, Kyle, you're not a fan of the show, right? You're, no, you're I don't like it at all. <laughs> I watch all of it, but I... If the people were made of Legos, do you think? <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> so don't write for Kyle, okay. but, but write for me. And I, I think that as long as there's a balance, because when I'm reading things and it's very heavy for very long and then suddenly you want us to laugh, that's not going to happen because we're already being trained by you in the read to be 
feeling a certain way. So we're not even going to take your jokes and be ready for it. We're going to think, oh my God, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to translate it wrong. We're not going to get the joke. So make sure that there's a balance throughout. Otherwise, it'll just feel like two different projects. So what I'm hearing from you is don't go too far in each direction yeah. or it will seem out of place. Yeah, and it seems okay. like that would be common sense, mm-hmm. right? But sometimes people do forget that and they go huge chunks of just laugh, 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 laugh and then, oh boy, it's, it's super serious and it just throws you out of it. So it really is all about balance and like I said, look at your model and look at the timing. How do they integrate these two things? How do they make the balance? Okay. Okay. Now you don't have to say something lovely about on the page, it's, which is, I love awesome. on the page. Thank you. But, um, is there, is there anything that you learned in class that, that you think um, would be valuable? Well, I really like just a shout out to you. I really love how you give the constructive criticism when we bring in our pages. You're so positive And, um, I think all of us as a class, we can see how, Oh, that's going to help help my story help my script so much that it's not painful at all um and another thing i've learned is just to go right for 10 minutes just force yourself to go right on a certain you know a scene for 10 minutes and you get so much out of it it really helps if you have some short loud person yelling at you and saying all right right for 10 minutes so if you can find that short loud person do that but if you can maybe you can have an app for that that would be good i'll just yeah just an app going all right Get to sit down <laughs> right now. Yes. Shut up. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Is Thank there, you. Is there a, a, a do um, you tweet? Do you? I I'm on Facebook for um, under Nadia Madden, and there's also a second Facebook under Nadia Madden nine one one screenwriter. That's me. Excellent. So okay, go check out Nadia Madden. Thank you so much, Nadia, Thank for you. being here. Woo-hoo! Yay, Nadia! It's the room. It just makes me sound bigger. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and we are back, and we've got Mark Sudano with us. Hello, Mark. Hello, Pilar. How are you? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Say that again. Hello, Pilar. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. So what we discovered in writing class here and on the page is that Mark Sudano actually has an acting and voiceover career ahead of him. <laughs> so there you go, because everybody would ask you to read C Direction, and suddenly this voice would come out. Have you ever done that before? <laughs> I mean, I've acted like in my teens and stuff like that for like friend projects, stuff like that, but nothing like professional. Well, I think... But if anyone out there... <laughs> <laughs> anybody wants to hire Mark, right? could you say in a world for me? In a world. Oh, my God. That's pretty good. Oh, my God. Where we land in a podcast. <laughs> one man, one teacher. So my, Sorry. I can't get over it. So, Mark, when you're not being a face, fake voiceover guy or a, a writer, what do you do for a day job? Uh, right now, you know, just doing the, the usual stuff, you know, retail, etc. We totally have to get you via work then. Okay. It's right. happening right now. We need to get you a bump up in pay All right. to support your writing career. Do you All get right. on the intercom at retail? <laughs> oh, that would be good. Sometimes the managers do ask me to do that, but I wish they did it more. That would be good. Know. What if he's discovered in retail? That would be good. Right. Like some, somebody's like that voice. Be like the golden voice that was discovered in retail. <laughs> so, so did you have a, a question that you brought in? Uh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, given that the world is round and that oh, the no. universe is oh, no. everlasting, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to start that way. That um, was great. <laughs> uh, how do you deal with roadblocks when it terms of uh, 
Act 2A and Act 2B because I'm still running into problems where I'm like, you know, I got the beginning, I got the end, and I'm still trying to figure out that mushy middle, you know what I mean? So I try to power through it from the beginning, I try to power through it from the end to the middle, mm-hmm. but I'm still having issues. Okay, so so you've done the end to the middle already, the idea of like, well, I'm here, how did I get here, what was said that got me here, what clue triggered that thing that was said that got me here, and sort of working working that way. Um, as far as uh, that mushy middle, I think you need to think about who are you, who will you need and what resources will you need to get to act three, which means that you might need to um, find and develop your supporting characters more because they could be of more use in act three than you actually think. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you may find sort of this deeper storyline that's running through Act 2. You may actually find yourself with too much in Act 2 if you do this. You might also want to think about resources and skills that are obtained along the way in Act 2 that would get you to Act 3. So if in Act 3 you're going to fix the problem in a certain way, what tools will you need? What skills will you need? Well, you needed a piece of story in Act 2 that would earn you those tools or help develop those skills. So I would, since you really know where you're going, most people don't, I would really ask yourself, are you cleverly getting there? If you're, could you get there in a, in a more clever way? And could you create that cleverness in act two? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's giving me a couple more tools to pull out from the shed. So, okay. Yeah. And then your midpoint are, do you feel like in the, between act two, a and act two, b that there's something that's heightening things enough that's sort of maybe focusing the script a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, uh, in my mind, I mean, especially when I structure it out or whatever, like I have an idea where it's going, Mm -hmm. but just filling in those, how do I get to that point or whatever, it's just been been my problem and I'm probably just thinking about it too much because I'm still trying to do my speed draft through it. So I'm, I'm just killing myself with like, Self-editing, yeah. Probably. Well, well, cut that out, I'm right? Sorry. So, so uh, the idea of the speed draft is that you're marking as you go along, right? For for any place that you don't really know what's going on, you can say, and something thrilling happens here. I mean, you really could do that if you want to. As, but then when you get to the points that you really know, okay, flesh those out as much as as you can. All right, and what I think you'll find out is you have more story than you think. 110 pages is not that much. So, um, yeah, you've probably answered your own question. Stop analyzing and just push through and see what you've got and then fatten it up. Yeah, okay? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Cool. Um, I appreciate that. You're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. And, again, you don't have to say nice things about on the page, but was there a specific tool, writing tool that did help um, in the first draft class? No, actually. Yeah, actually, with, with the six weeks or whatever, it's actually what I really appreciate about your teaching style is that you don't teach like this is this method, this is that method. You give us uh, tools and ways to come about to figure out our own story. So it's not like this is the way it is. These are it's more of these are the tools that you have, and this is how you're able to figure out what your story is through that. So I'm I really appreciate not going the cookie cutter way. Thank you. I like going the other way. Thanks. This <laughs> is turning into a commercial. Okay. Well, I'm going to stop asking this question, but I'll tell you what, guys, for future guests who come up, if there's a specific thing that you want to, because I, I'm getting embarrassed. <laughs> it's very, very nice, though. Um, now, tell me, is there a, a website that you want people to go to or any place that they can hire you for voiceover work? <laughs> well, my modeling website is. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I got a Twitter at, 
at MarkSudano.com, S-U-D-A-N-O. S-U-D-A-N-O. And it's mm-hmm. M-A-R-K, right? That's correct. All right. The marks with the C's you can't trust. <laughs> Always trust the ones with a K. Oh, that's really good to know mm-hmm. for life advice. Mm-hmm. I think if, if, any, if people got anything from this podcast, it's that right there. Exactly. Okay. Thank Pass you so much. Thank you, Mark Sudano. <laughs> Thank Woo-hoo! you. Thank you. We are back, and we have, uh, I know I'm going to murder this one, Shazia Malik. 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 Shazia Malik. And Shazia, look at your big grin on your face, because you listen to the podcast a lot, right? Absolutely. Addicted to it. <laughs> that's, that's very bad for you. But <laughs> I'm glad that you're here. Um, now, uh, you know, I happen to have just seen a short film that you, that you, you directed, you wrote it. With my mom. You, I, Wonderful. Um, tell everybody a little bit about that and um, and also what it was like writing with your mom. Sure. Um, so the film is a brief logline. Um, it's, uh, it's about an uh, unusual, unlikely relationship that unfolds between uh, an elderly abused Indian woman and a hitman over the course of one afternoon. And um, yeah, my mom's really, really special. Um, we've been best friends since forever pretty much, and um, I can tell her anything and everything I want. Um, and that very naturally sort of progressed into a more professional relationship, and we, we, we write together. And so what inspired you to, to come up with this story and also to say, yeah, let's write this and let's actually make this? Uh, my grandmother, actually. So it kind of spans three generations. Um, my, my mom's mom. Uh, so she's... Um, she she's uh, she's very fast. She's always been a fascinating character. Uh, she has this sort of remarkable curiosity for the world outside, and um, this amazing capacity not to uh, judge people, at least from the outside. So we pretty much asked ourselves a question: What would my grandmother do if a hitman knocked on her door? <laughs> would uh, she be afraid? Would she uh, shoo him away for being interrupted, or would she invite him in for a cup of tea? And the third option seemed the most uh, exciting, and we sort of explored that. How wonderful. And, and the, the, uh, the film did well, right? You've submitted it to festivals? Yes. We, we won a few awards. We were nominated for a few, and it's been to about more than 15 in national and international festivals. I, I watched it. I really, really liked it. Thank you. It's a great example of doing as much as you can in terms of, of plot twists in one room with two people. I, and you really surprised me. In it. And we actually uh, broke it down in class a little bit, too. We used yeah. it as a structural model. <laughs> you were very nice about that, by the way. I was very honored. <laughs> <laughs> so um, is, there, uh, is there a question that, that you bring to this podcast you might ask in class? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's more of a sort of personal writer question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up in India. I've lived there for 20 years. Um, so now living here in L.A., um, as a writer, I find myself... Um, because I lived in India, I feel my world is there. My characters are from there. And um, writing in L.A., I, I, I sort of, um, I still don't know how to assimilate uh, the characters that I meet here, if, if that sort of makes sense. So what would you encourage, um, you know, in terms of being an Indian writer who's lived in India in L.A.? Well, I think, I think commercially uh, uh, that we're... The United States has a fascination now with with India and Indian culture and Indian movies, and I, I don't think that that would work against you to be using what you know 
by any means. Now, as far as and we, we had talked about in, in class, there were certain expressions that were integrated into your pages mm-hmm. that um, some people were like, well, should we stop and explain? And that was a tough one, right? right. Because you don't want to create a language that that people are constantly having to stop and, and figure out what's going on. At the same time, you don't want to dumb it down. And I, I actually believe that you should just be integrating phrases, pieces of language as you go and that the audience catches up. Okay. So I wouldn't be, I guess, bottom line is I wouldn't be afraid. I would use the characters you know. I would bring in language and phrases that work for you. And it's going to be part of what makes you unique and special as a writer. It already is. So and I, I, I don't know if everybody would believe me. They'll probably think I'm blowing smoke, but I, I, I actually believe that. Okay. Especially, have you noticed on the podcast how people keep talking about, well, I said this one thing or I did this thing and that got the attention of somebody. Right. It's usually something that made them ex- incredibly unique. Right. Nobody'd seen it before. Nobody'd heard it before. Right. And that's what got them attention. Right. It wasn't writing to the book. So right. I guess I say go for it and don't worry about awesome. the, the assimilation. Awesome. Yeah. I was hoping to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, Okay. I'm afraid to ask because, so is there a specific writing exercise in class that you, that worked for you? Um, I discovered a newfoundland for structure. I really, really, I mean, I, uh, (laughs) because after listening to the Corey Mandel uh, podcast, I pretty much branded myself. (laughs) It always comes down to Corey. Damn it. Okay. Yeah. I pretty much branded myself as an intuitive writer. Uh Uh, But when I came to this class, I really enjoyed structure. I mean, uh, and especially the way you taught it. I'd never uh, read it in any book. I'd never heard it, you know, talked about before. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, and I just, I think overall as well, and I want to say it, and I know you want me to be more specific, but um, I... For me, these classes became sort of top priority um, mm-hmm. in this in the course of this one month, and I did not want to miss or be late for a single class. And and I think it's you as well as a teacher. Oh, um, thank you. And, you know, with with your podcast, I'm, and this is she's not bribed me to say this at all. I feel like this is Valentine's Day for me. I'm like, wow, this is okay, cool. Well, I've I've enjoyed having you in my class very much. Um, is there a website people can go to to check out your short film? Uh, yes, we, uh, it's still doing the festival round, so mm-hmm. we have a trailer. Uh, the name of the website is www.dopahartthefilm.com. D-O-P-A-H-A-R, oh, I'm sorry, let's say it again. D-O-P-H-A-R-thefilm.com. D-O-P-A-H-A-R thefilm.com. Dopahar. Dopahar. I'm kind of a dopahar. Okay, <laughs> D-O-P-A-H-A-R thefilm.com. Yes. All right. Sorry. (laughs) I want to make sure everybody gets that. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. You take care. Very good. T-O-P-A-H-A-R. All right. We are back with Frank Rogala. Is that right? Perfect. All right. Hey, Frank. How are you? So far, so good. 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 Now, Frank, you were in the the music industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got... I'm so ADHD. I had to write down my... What I, I'm a co-owner of Mackinac Mill Creek Camping. It's a huge campground in northern Michigan with my brothers. We also have a Mackinac Club golf course and Mackinac Lakefront Cabin Rentals. And uh, I'm an SEO specialist, search engine optimization specialist for several national e-commerce retailers. And I got a record deal when I was 19, uh, the lead singer of 
Exude in the 80s and NC-17 in the 90s. Uh, and I had record deals with like A&M and Polydor and all you know, major labels. And uh, I produced and starred in uh, Won't Anybody Listen? It's a feature-length documentary. It was picked up for theatrical distribution by 7th Art Releasing, and then broadcast rights were purchased by Sundance Channel. It's now available on Netflix. And uh, I've also won several screenwriting awards for There's No Place Like a Home. Uh, it's it's a set in a neighborhood group home for developmentally disabled adults uh, that have now replaced state homes. And uh, I'm a composer for 10 West Music. I create cues for MTV and the Style Network. Um, and in this class, uh, I finished my first draft. Woo! Yes. All right, you just finished. Congratulations. Oh, that's wonderful. That makes me so happy. Great. And you know what? Um, based on what you just did, I think I should start writing things down too. What do you think? Because that was, that was actually pretty good. So, so, Frank, do you have a question? I have some little questions, a couple little questions. Oh. I just like, okay, in class, everybody's been bringing their first five pages in, yeah. which has been really helpful. Because for one thing, you know, I, one thing that really confuses me is details. I really get into details and I miss the big picture and I'm seeing, but I didn't, every screenplay I read online starts with fade in and nobody's put fade in on the beginning of their screenplays. And is, do you do that anymore? Sure. You can do that. That's the answer. Or not. Or not. You know, that's the answer too. I mean, look, it's whatever makes it feel readable and whatever makes it cinematic for you. Um, so no, there's no, there really aren't huge rules about that anymore, but fade in can make you really feel like you're in a screenplay. Now, the reason people take it off here is so that they can fit more in their five pages. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's really going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at 142 pages. I'm looking for everything. I can. <laughs> right, exactly. Who needs that big space at the top? Um, any other questions? Yeah. When you're um, quoting during dialogue, um, do you use a single quote or a double quote? Use, use a double quote because um, it's you're not actually quoting somebody in dialogue. They're actually just speaking. So when they quote, they're quoting. So it's not a quote within a quote. Okay. So double quote. Okay. Then the other thing is, is, and I've been picked on by screenwriting consultants for this before, is that when I'm getting in, my characters or dialogue is getting interrupted, I tend to think, oh, that's a fragmentary sentence, so I'll put a dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have somebody coming in, and they're starting in the middle of their sentence, and I'll have a dot, dot, dot. Um, and I've been called out for that because I do it a lot. I would go for, well, first of all, I'd go for the dash, dash instead of the dot, 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 because the dot, dot, dot to me is sort of, <laughs> I know, it, it, it sort, of, sort of like it implies that somebody's drifting off as opposed to a dash, dash, which cuts you off. And if there's a dash, dash, then you don't need the dash, dash to, to start the other thing. Basically, it's dash, dash, and somebody starts a new sentence, that means they're cutting that character off and it's a little sharper. Um, if, look... You're going to get called out on anything you do too much. Remember that too much of anything isn't good for you, right? So if they're saying this, it has nothing to do with the actual grammar of it. It has to do with the fact that you're doing it to excess and they're noticing it. If anybody notices a pattern you have, it's become a habit, okay? You want to you wanna just have those, those little tricks here and there without it becoming... Uh, repetitive. You don't want to take them out of the story, and that's taking them out of the story if they're getting noticing exactly something like that. It's the same thing with page count and things like that. When people are actually mentioning it, it's because they're not gripped enough by the story, and they've started to look at a page number, or they've started to look at your format. So rather than pay attention to their format notes, pay attention to what was it about this place in the story that took them out of the read? Why did they start noticing the minutiae? 
Okay. Okay. Um, so I've got a first draft now. Would you recommend that I f- that I file a copy with the Writers Guild, or just wait till I'm uh, got a second draft or third draft? You should always. Um, there's no reason not to. It's cheap. It protects you to some extent. So once you have a first draft, by all means, you want to register it with the Writers Guild, and you want to do a copyright. Um, I think it's copyright.gov in the United States, and you can download the forms. I think it's like. It might, is it still 35 bucks? Yeah. Okay. About 35 bucks. Um, it helps to do both. What the Writers Guild does is create a paper trail so that in case you do sue somebody or they sue you, you have a paper trail of submitting it to this office and they can say, now we got the script here and here's the date on it. But the copyright actually does more toward protecting the execution of your idea, protecting the words. So people think, oh, I'm all protected. I registered it with the Writers Guild. Not necessarily. Okay. Mm. Also do do the copyright and do it every time you have a a a new draft. And if you think about the Writers Guild um, definition of a new draft, I think it's like over thirty percent, something like that. So when you feel you've done over thirty percent, do a new uh, re- register it again. It it certainly doesn't hurt. Okay. Sorry. Did I sound like my mother there for a second? I think I did. You've met my mother, Kyle, a little bit. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Because you know how she really is. I'd have to put on this voice. Well, well, Frank, let's talk. Okay. That's my mom. That's my life. Um, any other questions? Yeah. Okay. So I finished my first draft. I, I have to leave the state of California. I can't, I'm it's killing me that I can't do the rewrite class. Okay. So, and Stephen King says, you know, you do a first draft, you set it aside for six weeks, do something else, and then come back to it after six weeks. Um, and, you know, you've got all the, there's a lot of advice out there for, for working at, on your first draft. And, um, and people in class to get, get get Pilar's book and use her book because it's amazing and that that's the best thing you can possibly do. Um, and, um, and I've been, I'm familiar with other rewriting techniques where you go through for your character um, and your dialogue and, and whatever. What would your advice be to someone who can't, you know, attend the rewrite class and is going to be working on their first draft? First thing is a gut read. Okay. You got, you want to read it and just, don't pick at it. Read it all the way through like you're watching your own movie. Step back and ask yourself, is this the movie that you intended? If not, why not? Because it could be that your story is working great, but you feel like every time a certain character spoke, it was disappointing you. Okay? Or it could be that um, your character and dial- dialogue work was wonderful, but um, even you missed that transition that was really necessary in the story in Act 2B, okay? So, but do the gut read first because people make the mistake of starting to pick at their stuff from page one as the writer instead of standing back and looking at it as the audience member. So do that first, okay? And then you'll know at least what you need to focus on. Big picture. Yes, big picture first. Um, is there a website that people can go to to see all the movies that you've done? Yeah, just uh, it's really simple. Just my name, Frank Rogala, R-O-G-A-L-A dot com. It has links to everything. And, uh, and my Twitter is uh, RK Singer, just at, at RK Singer. So. Excellent, R-K. Like, yeah, R-K-S-I-N-G. Because you know how bad I am now at spelling. First I can't pronounce things, now I can't spell things. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, Frank, for being on the show. You're very welcome. I couldn't do a shout-out to your doggy because everybody would bring their doggies. I'm sorry. 
Okay, we have Lucia Sherman. Hello, Hi. nice to see you. Nice to see you. Okay, kiss the mic, Lucia. There you go. I should um, know this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Lucia, what you just moved here, right? Well, actually, I lived in Los Angeles for 25 years, and um, but I was in um, Oregon, Southern Oregon, for the last number of years, and I came back. You came back. What brought you back from Oregon? Um, my husband's work and also the film industry. Excellent. Look, look at your eyes light up when you say that. <laughs> the film industry. The film industry. And, uh, and can I ask, do you, what you do for a, a day job? Um, right now I'm finishing my short film. Really? Yeah. Really? And are, so are you in, in when you say you're, you're Finishing it? Are you in post production? Are I'm you... in post production. Really? And how long? And I'm, is... and I'm popping my peas. You're popping so I'm, my. I'm going to turn the mic <laughs> because actually I did voiceovers for years and years and um, uh, on camera for commercials too when I lived here before. So. Really? Can you hire Mark? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. All right. Here we go. Mark, you found your mentor. <laughs> so you did. You did VO. Is there? Is there I did. Really? Anything I that did. you could tell us about um, interpreting a script as a voiceover artist? Like you would look at it, and how would you find the voice? I don't know. It's just kind of a um, instinctual thing. I. Uh, I read it and I immediately get a visceral feel for uh, what the character is, and and um, I play with it actually. At the when I used to do auditions, I I would play with it and I would uh, try different approaches. But most of all, it was just a gut feeling. And you were talking about gut just a couple minutes ago, so it's just something that is there for for some reason. What about when you can't find a character or a voice? What is it usually about the dialogue that's falling flat? Um, it's not very well written, actually. It's um, it's not very well, um, it's not natural. So does it feel overly stiff, overly yes, formal? absolutely. And there's a lot of that out there. And it's really hard to make it feel normal and uh, um, like it's just tripping off the tongue. So what's your short film about? I don't want to give too much because it's in the pro. I'm popping my piece again. It's, oh, it's in the process. I'm of- queen of pee popping. <laughs> I'm, I'm pee popping as we speak. That sounds dirty, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, um, actually, it's a live-action animated uh, little little 23-minute film, and uh, it's about a young 11-year-old girl, and it has a lot of different elements. It's mostly a drama. Okay. And uh, there is some comedic elements with the live action uh, characters. And um, um, that's all I can, I can say right now. Okay. All right. Because we're going to go into the um, film festival. Oh, good route. luck. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. So is there a question that you have? I do. I have a question about writing films where specific visual style is extremely extremely critical to telling the story. Hmm. As with so many of Tim Burton's films... So how far can you go in describing some of these elements in the script without going too far? Well, if you think about Tim Burton's films, it, the, the visual style isn't something you would have to point out in the actual scripting. It's, he, ha, he creates these interesting visual characters. So it's not how you film it. It's the kind of characters that we would see on screen. So when he's describing the look of a character or the personality of a character, that is going to be what is then interpreted by him 
in his directing style and in his filming style. So if you're looking for that kind of stuff, then I would say, you know, make your creatures unique. Make the look of a character unique. Create a voice or a movement that is something that that would stand out and make you understand like, ooh, that's that's kind of haunting in nature or that's really creepy or that's, that's really um, uh, quirky. And that will then make a director put the right style onto it based on what the characters are doing and how they look. Okay, so um, in other words, especially in terms of movement and sound of the voice, mm-hmm. you would just um, uh, lace in a couple different um, words and, uh, and lines in the, um, the screen directions that would, would give uh, the reader a heads up as to... Uh, where this is uh, um, headed, yes. the character. Yes, okay. um, we, I show in the rewrite class, I show a clip from Pan's Labyrinth, okay? And this, and this scene direction that went with it. And uh, it's describing this, this creature that, that meets her for a second. And they describe the creature as toad-like, it's bulging eyes. It, also, what gets her attention is a sudden, soggy movement. Ah, okay? okay? So if you're writing like a sudden, soggy movement, right, you, can, you, you get the, the sense of it, and you, you hear it, and you feel it. Okay, so that's the kind of writing you'd have to do to get a Tim Burton kind of style. Now, if you're talking about something where you, you really feel like it needs to be animated throughout, I would just ask you to think for a second, will that limit its selling potential? I kind of am of the opinion that as long as you make it visual and interesting, it allows a production company or a director to do their magic with it. But when you're insisting that something be filmed in a certain way, it's got to be filmed in black and white here, it's got to be animated here, then it takes some of the fun out of it for the people that you're going to collaborate with. And it also says, oh, well, you know what, we don't have we don't have the budget to do that, or um, we did a black and white film, it didn't work for us, it may actually take that script off of that particular market. So the, the looser you can be uh, with the visual style, the better. Okay. okay. Um, does that answer your question? Yes, yes it does. Yes. Thank okay. you. Cool. Uh-huh. Um, I forgot to ask Frank this. Is there a, a writing tool? Is there something in, in the class that was helpful to you? Um, so, so much. So much, um, and I've told you this personally um, uh, during class. I felt that um, since I'm a visual, I, 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 I get the visual picture when I'm writing, and so uh, since I work visually more so, I, um, I felt that the eight-segment sequencing mm-hmm. that we broke down was extremely helpful. And then that um, uh, working into the, um, uh, the specific scenes that each act would have so that helped me tremendously cool thank you oh you are welcome you're welcome and just so that everybody knows what lucia's talking about if you've looked at any project that you're doing in terms of eight segments and try try uh eight different ways not to bore people you'll be okay (laughs) (laughs) lucia um is there a place people can go to find out more about you or do you want to wait till the film comes out i i uh i have a um a website but it's not up and running, but it is handpaintedfilms.com, and in about six months or three or four months, uh, we'll be up and running, but that's my domain. So. Okay, that's wonderful. Thank you. I'll check it in six months. Thank okay. you so much for being here, Lucia. You're welcome. Thank you. You guys are so
so smart and accomplished. It's killing me. And we have Michelle Poe here. Hello, Michelle. Hello. I can't really screw up Poe, right? No, it's pretty easy. All right, good. Um, Michelle, thanks for being in class for these past six weeks. I appreciate it. Well, it's been wonderful. And, uh, and what do you do for a day job? I work for a cable television network. A cable television network that you can name, or will they kill you? If I you do don't that? know, but I'll I'll risk it. Um, a and E networks. Ooh, A and E. And what do you do for for A and E? Oddly enough, I work in the legal department. Uh, see, you you thought you didn't have anything to contribute. Oh yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. What are the kinds of things that come your way without being specific, overly specific, where you'd get fired? You know. Um, well, it's not all that exciting because mostly it's a lot of contract work. So, um, it's all the contracts of not the people, the directors, the writers, the actors, that sort of thing. It's the people who buy the programs once they're finished and able to be broadcast. Are you learning anything as a writer from looking at those contracts in terms of what, what their needs are, what their um, intentions are with certain projects? Their needs are to make money. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find them um, looking at certain shows as being more commercial than others, more money-making than Absolutely. others? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, and is that is that coming into your writing, or are you rebelling against it? I'm rebelling against <laughs> it with every fiber of my being. <laughs> so do you have a, a question for the podcast? Yes. It's sort of a big-picture question, but, you know... In a world where everything's been done before. Mm-hmm. In a world where everything's world, been done before. Yes, Mark. And, <laughs> um, and audiences are so savvy. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you come up with a fresh idea? How do you come up with, um, for instance, you were talking about Orange is the New Black. So mm-hmm. that's the, your basic wom- women in prison uh, show, which we've seen before. But why is that so terrific and so eye-catching and interesting well i think i think that's the question you start with is why is that so terrific and eye-catching and interesting we thought we'd seen them before right so you start with okay your women in prison movie what did those used to look like basically starring Anne margaret (laughs) Um, she was so beautiful and she was so tortured (laughs) at the same time and there was uh you know the 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 gang leader on the cell block uh, who bullied everybody that's right yeah she usually had a really short haircut. Yes. Um, she was no Anne Margaret. <laughs> right. So, so you sort of start with, well, what have been the conventions? Okay. And you can either work against them or you can actually dial them up. And if you think about Orange is the New Black, it doesn't necessarily reject all those conventions, mm-hmm. right? We still have the gorgeous Anne Margaret uh, lead. Mm-hmm. We still have uh, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, bully women with short haircuts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually takes them to a new extreme, right? It, it actually says, okay, what are the politics of that? And it says, rather than just imply, let's show. That graphic nature of it mm-hmm. is also part of what makes it interesting. So I, I, I kind of respect it for that, that it doesn't back away from stereotypes, that it actually takes the stereotypes and dials them up 
mm, to sort such of embraces an them. Yeah, so that's one way to find a fresh take mm-hmm. on something is not to walk away from it, but to actually heighten it. Mm. And so I think that's what it's doing. Kyle hates that show. <laughs> he's right now. So he's I've heard. Cringing. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. I don't think I'm going to like the Lego Movie. <laughs> Sorry. Right. There you go. It's, it's, see, there's a big world out there, and and I don't think it's a world where where every every idea has been done. You know, how could we possibly run out of stories? True, but when you're thinking of something to write, it feels that way. But I think I think it's what writers do to themselves all the time. They sit there and go, oh, "Everybody's done this, right?" <laughs> and remember what we did in class with the fresh take, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you change one element in a scene we've seen before, and it feels fresh. Mm-hmm. Just one. Um, is there a, well, you know what? I, I'm going to do it for you. So that was the tool in class that we used. Oh, actually, I have one that I oh, wanted to highlight. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, and I don't it. think anyone's mentioned this yet. Okay. I love the speed drafting technique that you taught us. Oh, I have cool. never done that before. And it's really helped me to get through any blocks that I've had or any, you know, stalling or this idea isn't flushed out yet. I just keep going and other things come to me as I write the next section. I'm like, wait, that could be good in the section before or whatever. And I've, and I've, it's really revolutionized the way that I've written and uh, that I write. And, um, I'm really grateful for that. Oh, I'm so happy. And, and just to bottom line it for people who are listening, it's writing around your main intentions. Okay. Once you've got, got your main intention in that scene, because that is the story of the scene, move on. How many pages have you have you 35 and that's a lot for me (laughs) not for anybody that is really good congratulations thank you is there a twitter handle that that you got any twitter handle michelle poe michelle poe yeah okay go tweet michelle poe all right awesome she is thank you so much for michelle for being here thank you all right we have with us Barbara Groth. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Pilar. Hi. This was, and I'm saying your name right, yes, right? Yeah. Okay. And this was all your idea, you know. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, last week, I was podcasting, and, uh, and the class started to show up, and Barbara said, hey, why don't you have something where everybody could watch? And I would be like, wow, that'd be really boring. And so, so what we ended up deciding on was not having everybody watch, but having everybody participate. So this is your idea. I know. And there actually, you. I was thinking I would be watching and not participating. Yeah, too bad you're in. <laughs> this is what happens. This is, this is how I get this everybody on my show. This is fun. <laughs> so kiss the mic a little bit more. Yep. Okay. And, uh, and Barbara... You're new in town, too. Yes. Yes. I've been here almost six months. Six months. Do you love it? I do love it. Everybody else is freezing, right? Gosh, I love it. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to gloat. That would be bad. There's nothing bad about LA. Come to LA, everybody. It's warm here. (laughs) You know, it's a good place to be broke, too, because at least you're broke and you're warm. (laughs) That's that's why I stayed. I'm like, I got no money, but you know what? I got a really good tan. I'm sticking around, you know? Um, So so what do you do for a day job when you're not writing? I actually just started a business. What kind of business? I do marketing for small businesses and creative types to get them on the web. I do print marketing, logo design. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I might hire you. I'm a small business. Yes, you are. You have great marketing. That would be out of my kitchen and meet my nephew, Kyle. There you go. (laughs) Good job, Kyle. Um, So, so Barbara, what is your question for the podcast? I have a couple. One small, short one. Um, I'm wondering about log lines. I really struggle with this. And how much do you give? about the story in a log line. I, I want to point out that in the class, I always make everybody log line first. And, 
In that case, the log line is for them. It's to get your main intention in one line so that whenever you get stuck, you go back to that log line and go, oh, but my script is about a guy who wants to do this thing in this way or else, right? That Mm -hmm. always reminds you of what your script is about. So as a tool for the writer, that's what the log line should have in it is sort of what is your script actually about? Not what are the themes, mm-hmm. okay? Not what is the, the coolest reveal. It's what is it about? For selling purposes, sometimes that logline um, does just speak to the theme or does just have the cool hook in it. It's really a selling tool that gets somebody to read the rest of oh, it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm not a big, I'm still not a big fan of log lines that are just taglines, you know, like you'll never go in the water again. It does not tell mm-hmm. you specifically that, you know, a, a shark terrorizes a, a New England uh, tourist village, you know, that itself is enough to get somebody to read the script. Um, but no, notice what we just did there, right? What's the biggest idea? The shark. Right. What's at risk? That that New England village. Right there, people go, ooh, well, at least they did back in 1970-something, which is probably where my mind is right now, right? So so that is enough in a log line. Um, but sometimes you need methodology. Like sometimes people, if you just went like, um, uh, a broke guy decides to rob a bank. Mm, okay, so you might need, you know, it, so that maybe maybe backstory, uh, so that so that uh, his in order to save his home and family, a broke guy has to rob a bank, or it could be uh, a broke guy has to rob a bank in a certain way. That's the method. So maybe the backstory might be the hook, or maybe the method might be the hook. Okay, a broke guy has to rob a bank by doing something. Got it. You know? So, but what's the difference between a setup and a log line? Well, sometimes people only pit, uh, only create the setup in their log line. So it'll be, uh, um, a man wakes up to find out his world has fallen apart. And I usually ask, ask that writer to elaborate a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So after waking up to find out that his family has left him, a man does so-and-so or a woman does so-and-so. That gives you more of the story. That makes sense. Rather than just the first act. You know, a woman wakes up to discover that her family is gone. It's just not, we need Enough. more. Right. right, right. Okay. And I just wondered, what, what pops off the page for you when you're reading? What, do you, what signals do you get that say, this is really good, I want to read more? Huh. Well, you know, I'm always giving you guys first pages because right away it's a certain writing style that, that can get me. If I feel like somebody can tell a story in that first page, I'm, I'm in for more. Um, if somebody can just um, make me feel something. So let's say by the end of the first act, I am feeling uh, worry for the character, concern for the character. I'm afraid for another character. I'm excited about something that's going to happen. If I'm feeling something, I want more. And in that way, I don't care sometimes if people are, they don't dot an I or cross a T because mm-hmm. they are doing what the story is supposed to do and making me feel emotional, which means that they'll probably make a majority of the audience feel emotional too. And if not, why not? Is mm. it because I saw it coming? Is it because somebody was um, being so clever 
that they forgot that any emotion is involved? Um, is it because it's overly emotional and overly flowery and nothing's going on? So, so that's sort of how I read scripts, at least. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Is there... Um, you're the last person here. And I know you've taken a couple classes. You yes. took the rewrite class as well. I took the well, rewrite. And this one. Mm-hmm. You went backwards, but that's yes, absolutely fine. They're completely different writing tools, they are, right? They are. Um, and both extraordinarily good. I, I, there are so many tools. You know, a couple in the first draft class that I, I want to agree with Michelle on the speed draft. But, but before that, outlining, mm-hmm. I never liked outlining. And um, the the whole idea about creating your intention in each of the scenes made the speed draft even easier. So um, I thank you for that because I typically would just start writing, get stuck, fall in a hole, then try to figure it out. And the I've, I actually am working on two scripts during this class because I couldn't make up my mind. And both of them have been very easy to plow through. Oh, that's great. Because of those tools. And do you just work on one when you feel like one and work yes, on the other when you're like... they're very different. Yeah. <laughs> when I get stuck, I move on to the other one. Excellent. That's great to hear. And it's been a pleasure having you in class. I love it. Thank you so much. Is there... Uh, do you want anybody to follow you on Twitter, Facebook? You know, I'm on Twitter, but I don't let people follow me. I tweet, but... I don't, I don't, don't let people follow me. (laughs) Wait a minute. If you tweet, who's listening? No one, but I have to get it off my chest. (laughs) Well, okay. Whatever you do, do not follow Barbara Groff. All right. There there you go. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I want to thank everybody who was here today. Thank you to the class. First draft class here at On The Page. Thank you to Kyle. Kyle. Kyle Dodson. Go see the Lego movie. Um, And I want to uh, remind everybody who's listening that there is going to be a rewrite class here. Um, (laughs) You can be on a podcast afterwards or not. It's really up to you. But uh, go to onthepage.tv and uh, um, check out the rewrite class. It starts March 1st. It goes through April 5th. It is Saturdays, 1230 to 330. I would love to have you in class. It's so much fun to podcast, but it's even more fun to teach. That is what I love to do more than anything, and I love meeting writers. You guys bring so much into this room. I feel kind of lucky. I feel kind of in love. Happy Valentine's Day. Okay, everybody. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to the class again. Thank you to Kyle Dodson. And have, ready, ready? Have a good Good writing writing week. week.